0: Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast and I'm delighted to be joined by my friend and colleague Dr. Andrew Trasilla, NHS Somerset and I'm Dr. Peter Bagshaw, GP and NHS Somerset Clinical Lead for Mental Health and our guest today is Dr. Joe Nicol. Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what your topic is today?
1: Hi, Peter um, and Andrew. I'm um, Jo Nicol. I'm the designated doctor for safeguarding children in Somerset. So that is a strategic role, looking at supporting children across Somerset um, and working with children's social care, the health system, and the police, as well as education, to try and create a kind of streamlined uh, safety net for children across Somerset. And um, and also, there's a lot in it about learning from when things go wrong and about supporting the families around the children. Um, I also work as a GP one day a week too.
0: And hopefully we'll have time to get into the, the wider issues but your particular focus today is supporting new fathers isn't it which I'm delighted about when we had safeguarding training and domestic abuse training fathers weren't mentioned at all except as sort of evil perpetrators so um, I'm glad that you're redressing the balance a little bit so do you want to tell us a, a bit about that project and why it's important in the wider picture?
1: Sure so um, so I, at the moment I've set up a, a project that's running across the Bridgewater area of Somerset which is an area that has quite high deprivation levels and sadly where we see quite a lot of safeguarding concerns around families so they're families that do require a higher level of support. Um, I've I've been conscious for a long time that we, like you said, Peter, we often regard the men in the family as the perpetrators of things like domestic violence, the perpetrators of abuse to children. And to some some extent that that's true. The data does support that view. uh, But we don't provide very much support to men in terms of particularly about being a new father um quite rightly all of the antenatal support is directed to the new mums they need to be you know prepared in mentally and in terms of their physical preparation for for being a new mum and uh, they need you know they need to um have guidance in how to care for a new baby but unfortunately we a lot of our services exclude fathers from those conversations and dads want men want to be new you know good dads in the same way that women want to be good mothers. What I'd like to do is where we provide universal support to all new fathers, eventually across Somerset, but we're starting, as I said, with a a test case in Bridgewater, um, to provide men with an opportunity just to have maybe half an hour to just talk through how is it being a new dad? What's it like for them? Is it what they thought it was going to be? Is it more challenging? Are they struggling with anything? Uh, Do they have any unmet needs in terms of perhaps their physical health, their mental health, maybe drug and alcohol addiction? Um, Do they need any support with actually understanding how to care for a baby? Uh, To give them a few public health messages around things like safe sleep um, and to then signpost them to other areas of support if we find that there's things that they need. Uh, so that's basically what the project is about, is, is to kind of give new dads the tools they need to make the best go of being a father, really. And
0: that sounds brilliant. And I think any of us who've been through parenthood will know that there's often a mismatch between how society and, and friends and family expect us to be in this wonderful new time with a baby. And actually, the reality of sleepless nights and and stress and, and difficulty is, is very different. You mentioned the statistics, Joe. Do you want to just start off by by giving us some of the the facts and figures to set this in context?
1: Yeah. So we we know that sadly men are well, the the, the data is not perfect, but between two and fifteen times more likely to harm children under one than women are, um, which is you know even if you take the lower number, twice as likely, still a big big increase. Um, we also know that uh, men are victims of domestic abuse much more frequently than we perhaps think. You know, we there's this stereotypical thing about domestic abuse in that we see the woman as the victim and the man as the perpetrator. We know that, you know, roughly about one in three, one in four women experience domestic abuse in their lifetime, which is awful. But also between one and four and one in six men experience domestic abuse in their lifetime. So, you know, but we don't talk about that. Like you said at the beginning, you know, a lot of the training is, is very women focused. Um, you know, it, it, it is a, a more gendered crime in that men are more likely to be perpetrators. But they're they're also quite likely to be victims and we don't ask them. And we know that in families where there's domestic abuse going on, there's more likely to be children that come to harm because tensions are high and, you know, things can kick off. So so looking at those two figures together, I think, gives us a sense that there's a lot of need for men to have support around um, domestic abuse, but also about around their, their parenting skills and how they cope with the difficulties of a new child. Like you say, when you when you it, the, the reality of a new baby is um sometimes quite different to what you think it's going to be
2: joe i speak from the um the background of being in my 60s and probably stereotypical um as a parent uh, uh in the background i came from but um i think there's something about insight and uh just slightly tongue-in-cheek but they say that mothers are Keenly aware of their children's likes, dislikes, desires, thoughts, foibles, feelings, friendship group, machinations, uh, and all sorts of things. And fathers are dimly aware of shorter people who live in the same house. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's true for all fathers. But I have to say, I was quite focused on work, and I'm sure I'm sure I wanted children. But I'm sure that um, that I sort of from the family background, I sort of expected my wife to do most of the parenting and I would be around and help when I wasn't at work. And I think looking back, especially in view of what I've just heard you say earlier about men being talked through a skill set, how naive I was uh, and uh, how lucky I have been with, um, with the experiences that they have gone pretty well. Um, because if you drive a if you drive a powerful car or any car without any training, you're likely to come to grief. And in a way, new parenthood is a skill set um, that needs to be learnt about, to be acknowledged, uh, and to be thought through. And it doesn't happen by accident.
1: No, that, that's quite right. And I think what's what's quite sad is that a lot of the men who who do go on to harm their children had pretty awful experiences of being parented themselves. Nobody modelled what a good parent looks like. So if you haven't had that experience through your own childhood, where where do you get it? And I I think it's also important to reflect the fact that most people who harm children don't don't wake up in the morning planning to do that. There are a very tiny number who do, um, and we need to lock them up quickly, but there are um, most parents who harm their children do so because they lose the plot for a minute you know and something catastrophic happens they didn't intend to harm their child but they just didn't know what to do and they you know did something they then later regret um you know and and i think one of the things that we know from talking to men who have harmed children is that they <clears throat> they often say they misinterpreted their child's behavior they didn't know what it meant i've heard i've had one man say to me you know, my baby keeps crying, I think they're doing it to get at me, you know, and they took it as a very personal thing that that newborn baby was crying because they were having a go at them. And actually, that's far from the truth. But that was their understanding at the time. And if you don't realise that that's going on and correct that misunderstanding, then then it's going to be perpetuated. You know, um, some men talk about feeling rejected by the child because the child goes to mum, um, as the sort of primary caregiver, which is natural because they're with the um, the child most of the time, but uh, it, it, it you know it's it's quite difficult for them sometimes to understand why when they're hurt they always run to mum and never come to dad. So you know you need if you can sort of challenge those perceptions and help them understand and build on their skills that they already have to be a good parent. I think that's got to be a, a valuable thing.
0: Absolutely. And so we're, we're coming to the nub of how we help to support people, um, men or women. But men, in my experience, are very reluctant to come forward and admit that they're victims of abuse and perhaps even more reluctant to come forward and admit that they they have feelings that might make them perpetrators of abuse. So how do we get people to talk about it and how do we help prevent these awful situations from occurring do do we do enough antenatally for instance
1: well I think antenatal care is is you know mainly directed at women and I think that's very right because obviously the woman is the one who's carrying the baby but I think there's a good argument for having some antenatal care specifically directed at the the male partner who's about to become a father um and uh, you know and and to just do a bit of preparation for fatherhood i mean men can attend antenatal classes and um you know the sort of hospital appointments and things and, and and many times they do but but they're often during the day when men are at work and there's sort of challenges just to actually physically get them in the room so one of the things we're doing in our project is offering evening and saturday appointments to try and be more flexible um, so that men can actually stand a chance of of getting there.
0: And you mentioned about men sometimes feeling rejected by the the new baby. Presumably, some men also feel rejected by their partner uh, who is exhausted, maybe not sleeping, focused on looking after this baby. Has a it, it changes the relationship, doesn't it, between the couple? How do we how do we come to terms with that and get over that?
1: Well, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're quite right that, you know, you if you've had a couple who have been previously childless and then they suddenly have a baby, it's quite a massive change to that family's life. Um, and, and they do need a bit of time to adapt to that. So that's, you know, that's one of the questions we will ask the dads when we meet them for this project is, how is it, how is, how is it affecting your relationship? You know, do you any worries about that? So I think, I think actually just openly asking the question is the thing to do and asking it several times. We know, for example, if people are victims of domestic abuse, they often don't disclose the first time you meet them um, because it's a really difficult thing to talk about. So, But if you build up a relationship with someone and you ask them a few times, eventually sometimes they feel they can trust you to to say that. And, And so I think there's something about regularly connecting with dads before the baby's born and afterwards to give them those opportunities to develop relationships and, and talk about the things that are worrying them. And, our, and the project in Bridgewater is, is, is a kind of starting point for that, really. So if we if we identify men who need some support, we'll plug them in with the right support. For example, there's a project in Bridgewater called the Unbreakable Men Project, which is about supporting men with their mental health through sport and exercise rather than talking across a desk. So we can, you know, introduce them to that service. We have the um Dad Matters Coordinator, who's a lovely chap called Charlie Hull in Somerset, and there's other ones across the country who can support fathers in of children of any age. Uh, we can link up with them. There we have a there's a dads group that runs in Somerset. So so there are things out there, but but perhaps men aren't aware of them and, until there's a need for it. So that I think. In answer to your question, the quick answer is: we we need to keep asking and asking regularly, really.
2: And Joe, I would I just sort of put this to you: it's not just asking, but pointing out what may seem very obvious to a a lot of people, um, certainly a lot of women, but many men. But you know, we're in a relationship for love and for companionship and to be together. But we also bring to a relationship needs, and so we fulfil each other's needs. And some of us as men or as women, um, have some quite important childhood needs or, or adolescent needs of security and and being loved. And actually, when the dynamics change and someone else comes along, a uh, little tiny baby or, or, or whatever, um, we might flip into jealousy and we don't quite understand ourselves because nobody's actually pointed out to us that it's we might feel as though we've been dumped, but actually we haven't been dumped at all. Um, that's that's the four-year-old inside us that feels they've been dumped. The adult 20, 30, 40-year-old um, father is actually the new um, father and has a completely new relationship or builds on the relationship with with his partner, with his mother, but also um, has a role to role model parenthood to the child and to be a parent. And and I know that sounds terribly obvious, but maybe just to, to some of us, it didn't quite occur to us. Yeah, that way. no, I think
1: it's a massive change, that, you know, having a baby. And even if you've already got a child, and another one comes along, you know, that that's still another massive change. It, it you know, each child is different, has its own different needs, and uh, you know, its own personality. You know, so that that will change the dynamic again each time another child comes along um uh, and you know it, that that is really challenging for for men and women to cope with especially when you're exhausted because you haven't slept for ages and you're you know perhaps worried about your partner who may be struggling a bit or things like that it's uh I think it's it's a really important thing we and we do sadly see an increase in things like domestic abuse around pregnancy and birth and that probably reflects the fact that the stress on the families increases at that time you know it also increases your financial stress and you know perhaps your sense of uh needing to provide for your family you know if you're out of work that can that can make it feel very difficult you know that very traditional father role of they're the ones that go out and provide um if if they can't do that 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 can increase the the stress and and i know poverty during the current sort of cost of living crisis is a big challenge for many families so it just all can kind of enmesh into this big you know pot that boils over really as well as being as well as being lovely (laughs) in many other ways but the
0: loveliness is almost taken as red isn't it and and the reality can be very different I'm uh I'm looking at our, our chat that we always keep open during these discussions, and David, our producer, who's a, a, a pretty new dad himself, um, has been putting some very insightful comments uh, in the chat, uh, including uh, that dad should get training to spot for things like postnatal depression in mums. And we now embed ask asking people about their mental health into antenatal, but I don't think we ever ask the dads, do we? Uh, how do we start doing this tell us a, a bit more about how your project works
1: well that well that's exactly yeah that's exactly what what we're planning to do with this project is you know how how are you feeling how is your mental health how how's your relationship how's it going being a father is it what you thought it was all those sort of soft questions that open up a discussion about you know how is it for you, really? And I think hopefully, just having a bit of a safe space and time to have that conversation um, will allow dads to feel comfortable enough to then start to share those sorts of things. You know, and the the health coaches that are going to be having the conversation with the dads, you know, are, are used to dealing with lots of different patients and supporting them. Uh, So I think they're skilled enough to pick up on the nuances of a conversation if they perhaps there is some underlying mental health concerns or they're worried about their partner. Um, So that's what I hope will be a lot of what's pulled out in that conversation so that we can then support and signpost. And that that conversation is the starting place. It's not the end. You know, the health coach can go on supporting the father if that's what they need.
2: That's fascinating. So there's an aspect of, of peer support as well as the health coach supporting, um, because people in a new role can feel very lonely. And its I know this is a terrible stereotype, but on the whole, women will ask for help where, with, if they're lost, whereas we men might look at the map and drive round and round and round in circles uh, for ages saying, I'm sure it's down this turning. I'm sure it's down this turning. That's a horrible stereotype, but but there is a pride and a shame thing about asking for help. Peter, please correct me on that or kick me in the shins or something.
0: No, I mean, some of these stereotypes are are there for a reason, aren't they? I I was going to make a slightly different point that, again, David has put in in the chat uh, very helpfully, which is that for um, those who were babies born during the pandemic, there was even less involvement in fathers because of, of all the restrictions that were placed on us. And presumably that's made all of these things worse, hasn't it, Joe? Certainly we know domestic violence has gone up since the pandemic.
1: Yeah, we. I mean, we were tracking it right through the pandemic uh, to make sure we had the right level of support on offer for people, because obviously the access to support for domestic abuse and things was tricky during the pandemic as well. But we certainly saw an increase in domestic abuse. We saw an increase in sadly child abuse and an increase in the number of children being taken into care. And that has, I think the domestic abuse has gone down a little bit since then from the height of the lockdown, but, um, but it's still high. And, and the number of children into going into care is still high. Um, so that I think there are still a lot of families that are struggling from the aftermath of the pandemic. Um, uh, one of the things that David was asking in the chat was how how new does a father need to be? Well, um, we're happy to accept fathers kind of at any stage in the first year, really. But ideally, we want to provide that support quite early on of, within sort of four weeks of the baby being born just so we can given the skills at the right moment so it's not like they're having the conversation oh I wish I'd known this a year ago you know so um but but it is a very flexible project because it's it's the aim is to respond to what the 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 new father feels they need as well as um to offer that universal level of support
0: and you mentioned that it's a safe space with trained health coaches some of the thoughts that new parents both mums and dads can have can be really difficult can't they not I'm struggling with my mental health, but I, I remember when I was a new dad, I had thoughts, well, it would be terribly sad if, if 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 it was a cop death, but at least I get some sleep and, and feel human. You you do have really, you know, with hindsight, terrible thoughts. Is is the space you're providing one where it's safe for somebody to come out with these really difficult thoughts that new parents can have?
1: Yeah, I mean, then that that's you know, the idea of it really is that it is a safe space. And what I'm also um I provide supervision to the health coaches that are going to do this so that um, if they pick up on anything that they feel is out of the remit of their kind of comfort level with their experience or skills, they can talk that through. They can kind of park it with the, the chat they're speaking to and say, right, I'm going to come back to you on that one uh, and, and speak to me for some more advice and support about where that needs to go. Um, because obviously there might occasionally be people who disclose things that make us feel worried that their family might be at risk. you know. Uh, so we need to have a safety net around that com- conversation. And the we're, we're very clear with the dads at the outset that any information they give to us is confidential, but there may occasionally be a scenario where if we felt that someone was at risk um, that we might need to break their confidentiality to keep everybody safe. So we're quite honest with them about that. I'm hoping that there will be a you know, very tiny number of people that will be in that category, but we have got a, a safety net around the system for that scenario.
2: So there are occasionally and rarely difficult people, but on the whole, it's people who may be in difficulties or find themselves in difficulties, and you're providing proactive education and support to those who find them there. And You know, strange thoughts and and Peter voiced one a few moments ago can come out of exhaustion and desperation. Um, It it is interesting how male and female, and this is another slight stereotype, but there's a lot of uh, lot of um, evidence behind it. um, Distress actually manifests in uh, in different ways. A, a, A female in distress technically and this comes out of the men's health project and elsewhere will often um show that in in the way of crying or distress or and seek support whereas male distress might actually come out as aggression but actually or or alcohol behaviour and so this is why at one level, we see many more men coming in front of the um, the magistrates than than women because they manifest their distress in different ways, quite apart from crime. And I'm not talking about crime and I'm not talking about d- domestic abuse. I'm just talking about um, the way in which we manifest our distress. So helping people with that insight and maybe skills on emotional self-regulation and and spotting that they're distressed before they before there's an issue, maybe part of your project is it, or
1: yeah, yeah. I think it's very much about signposting people into the right level of support. I mean, we, know, we say we know that you know men who are struggling with sort of substance abuse, poverty, domestic abuse, mental health things, uh, young parents as well. That's another thing we haven't really gone into, but um, they, they struggle a bit. You know, often have difficulties with kind of their emotional regulation. Poor decision making, impulsivity, less tolerant um, because they're kind of stressed, anxious, depressed, and like you say, it can it can manifest itself in ways that sadly have the potential to cause harm to others. um, Perhaps more so than if you just sat there and had a good cry.
2: And that's really helpful to know. So you've mentioned signposting, so that will include all sorts of um, areas, and we can put some of them in the show notes, including including finance. Uh, and and what about um you know we've been concentrating a bit on fathers, but mothers are really important too. So what about um Somerset wide services for, for mothers, such as the perinatal, peridatal and maternal mental health service? Do you want to say a few words about that in our uh, in our
1: last yeah? Few- so so I mean as as you say, the the we provide um antenatal care through the midwifery team, postnatal care through the health visiting team and midwifery team with the GP to mums. That's all kind of a universal service available to all. There's the perinatal mental health team who will support mums with more challenging mental health issues through the pregnancy and beyond when the baby's born. Um, our Somerset Survivors is our domestic abuse service that supports men and women. Um, so anyone can make contact with them and that's a confidential, safe service. Um, and, you know, I would say to any mum who's struggling, you know, go and talk to your health visitor, go and talk to your GP in the first instance, because they can often help. But if they can't help, they know where else we can we can get you help. And and, and I actually would say the same to men. You know, there's no reason why a man can't reach out to the family health visitor and say, I'm struggling with this. Can you support me with it? You know, and I think that that model isn't recognised very often. Um, it's not, you know, the, the health visitor is there to support the family, but it, it can feel a bit female focused and it doesn't need to be.
0: And I think that's really important point, Joe. And certainly we were all trained as doctors, weren't we, to, to see aggression coming back to, to what Andrew was saying earlier about aggression often being a site, a way men, uh, show distress. We're taught to see aggression Uh, as as a sign of distress and to try and help people. And as somebody who's had knives pulled on me and furniture thrown at me, that's certainly something that I've had to deal with through my professional career. So I I think people can be encouraged that even if they have thoughts that they might find difficult to talk about to friends and family, in this safe professional space, they can talk about difficult feelings and, and they will be accepted and helped
1: absolutely absolutely that is that's the the finding that unmet need is really the kind of core focus of this this project um so yeah absolutely that's right
0: and is there a relationship counseling that people can have if it's putting a strain on their relationship which a new child often does
1: yeah i mean we there's a service called relate that works across somerset which is a charity that provides support to couples who who want some counseling or or there is also you know as as I know you're well aware the a, a raft of support available for people with their mental health including the mindline and uh, the talking therapy service amongst others and I'm sure we can put all those uh, in the links um so you know they and they're open to everybody
0: and we probably ought to mention for completeness um groups like sans because sadly um, sometimes a, a new child can be either stillborn or, or, or die young. And that, again, is, a, is an unimaginable strain on the parents, both uh, both man and woman, isn't it? So there's support for those people as well. And we'll put all that in the show notes. Joe, we're coming to the end of our time, sadly, because I feel we could go on a very long time and maybe we should revisit this subject in the future. Are there any last messages you want to leave our listeners with?
1: I, I think I'd just like to say, you know, we, it's very appropriate that we provide lots of support to women during childbirth and afterwards. But actually, I think as a system, we we could do with providing more support to men so that we kind of get the balance a little bit more even. Um, that's not to take anything away from the women, but it's just to add, because I think if we can empower men to be more confident, better fathers and husbands um, and and to feel that they can enjoy their families and have great relationships with their children, then the children benefit as well as the man and the woman and anybody else in the family. So I think it's a positive all round and something we should actively seek out and encourage
0: Absolutely. And as somebody who's sadly sometimes seen these problems go down through the generations, anything we can do to stop that has, has got to be worthwhile. Andrew, any wise words you want to leave us with?
2: Um, I would just say what a fascinating uh, conversation uh, that we've had. Joe, thank you for being such a great uh, resource for us today. And we're all on a journey of life. And I suppose the word of wisdom, would I say I would say, is that we're all learning. Um sometimes we make um poor decisions but not generally intentionally generally we want to do well and with the right support and education we can do even better so fantastic to hear about this project
0: absolutely so thank you all Uh, do reach out if you're struggling or know somebody who is Uh, there is help available and we'll put all the details on the show notes Uh, thank you joe for being a fantastic guest thank you andrew and david as ever And thank you to you for listening. Go well.
2: You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. The show was hosted by our team of doctors, including Dr. Andrew Tresida, Dr. Peter Bagshaw, and Dr. Sarah Coop. The show was produced by Rob Holmes Music on behalf of the NHS Somerset Integrated Care Board.